Well, good morning, Genesis. Uh, So good to be with all of you today. My name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Judges chapter 15. If you use use your phone uh, with a Bible app, feel free to go there, Judges 15. If you want to use one of the Bibles around the room, uh, page 176. And as you're turning there, uh, I want to tell you, I want you to be the first to know about some exciting news I received this past week. Um, A couple of years ago, uh, the elders of this church encouraged me to begin thinking about a sabbatical. Uh, that would be an intentional time for some study and, and renewal. And it was then that I learned about a program, a grant program, uh, through the Lilly Endowment here in Indiana. And every year, the Lilly Endowment gives a limited number of financial awards and grants uh, to pastors, to Indiana pastors and full-time ministry. And so I first applied in the spring of 2015, uh, was denied, but strongly encouraged to reapply. And I did that again this past spring, and last weekend I received an award letter stating uh, that I was selected for one of their uh, significant, really, financial grants. So thank you. Um, I'm I'm really excited about it. It really is quite an honor. The elders are excited too. And I just want to say thanks to all of you who have prayed uh, with me and for me through this. What it means is that next summer, um, I will take a sabbatical. And uh, the theme of my grant was built around the concept of walking as Jesus walked. And I just love the timeliness of that for our church and for me and and for for my ministry. And so uh, my time away is going to give me the opportunity to travel and study in Israel uh, for a few weeks uh, next May, along with some really cool opportunities uh, for my family next summer, but also some really special opportunities for our church too, because as a portion of this grant actually is provided to help do some special things with your church. So I look forward to telling you about it uh, more in the coming months. Uh, If you've got any questions about it all, please don't hesitate to ask. Um, I wanted you to be all the first to know. I know there'll eventually be a press release, and so some of that news will be released to the public, but thanks for being a great church. I love serving Genesis Split Church, and there is no other church I'd rather spend my life. So thank you. Well, we are in uh, week three of this series called The Measure of a Man, where we're studying uh, the life of Samson. And I don't know if it's becoming obvious for you or not, but I think this is a culturally relevant uh, story that we find in our Bible. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Samson's a popular preaching topic right now uh, with pastors and churches. I've got friends and ministries that have been preaching on uh, Samson, and uh, there are some pastors that I really enjoy and like to study uh, from, and so uh, they've been teaching on him too. And so I've enjoyed studying this on my own, but I've certainly uh, learned a lot from their teaching, borrowing some of their ideas as well, and uh, so I hope hope you've been enjoying this as much as I I have. Uh, In case you're joining us uh, for the first time, just a quick review uh, of our story with Samson so far. Samson's a guy who started out with incredible potential. Uh, His birth was announced to his parents by an angel before he was conceived. Can anybody think of anyone else that's got kind of a similar uh, birth story there? I think we all know Jesus. We'd say Jesus, right? Uh, So Samson had great potential, but his story is also one of wasted potential. Uh, he was set apart by, by God at birth to, to be in God's service. He, he was blessed with his physical strength, probably one of those things that uh, Samson is most known for. But what we found out or what we have been finding quickly is that while Samson uh, was blessed with an incredible physical strength, he also had inc- incredibly weak character. 
All right, an incredibly weak character. So although he was physically strong, uh, we said in week one that he exhibited three attitudes that make strong men weak. Uh, Those attitudes are lust, all right? I I see something, I say, you know, I I want that. Or entitlement, that's something that I feel like I deserve. Or pride, you know what, that's something that I can handle. And then we watched last week as time after time, Samson, who was gifted by God with incredible strength, acted out of emotion, all right, to use that strength in ways that violated his Nazarite vows. So instead of being led by the Spirit of God, he followed his emotions time and time again. He reacted, he responded uh, by his emotions, and he broke this vow. And remember, uh, the vow had three parts, all right? Again, you can read about this in the book of Numbers, but the Nazarite vow had three parts. Number one was he was wasn't supposed to drink any alcohol, all right? So no margaritas, all right? Nothing, all right? No alcohol. Uh, number two, he wasn't supposed to touch anything dead or unclean. And number three, he wasn't supposed to cut his hair. Now, when we left Samson last week, we found that he had already violated two parts of that vow. He had gone into the vineyard, all right, gotten drunk, and on multiple occasions, not just touched dead things, all right, but he was the one that made those things dead, all right? He, he had this act for, for killing, Uh, The only vow he hadn't violated yet that until we're going to see today was that with his hair. He still had that long flowing mane of hair. So anyone who saw Samson might be led to believe that he had his act together, right? Because it's easy to look at someone on the outside and think, you know what, you know what, they've got it all together, right? Because if you can't see on on the inside and, and so for Samson, he looked good on the outside, but the truth is the reality was he was broken, incredibly broken on the inside, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, maybe you've been living a, like, a life like that. Maybe you've, you've kind of come through a life like that because when, in, when, when anyone ever you know, asks, how are you you're doing, it's always, you know, yeah, I'm good, right? How often do we just say, yeah, I'm good, I'm busy, right? We're all busy, but, but, but I'm good. But when you look on, look on the inside, I mean, if you're truthful, if you're honest with yourself, you're anything but good. And you're putting on a show right now and because you know, or maybe you're realizing that you're really heading down the wrong path with your life. Hey, I, I just want you to know today that life doesn't have to be like that for you. You don't, have to, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live as a phony or as a poser. You don't have to pretend like you have it all together. Or if you're dying on the inside today, the truth is, the fact is, the good news is that Jesus, he came to revive those things for us in our lives. He came to, to bring us back to life. And I don't know if you remember in week one or not, we said that our enemy, Satan, he loves to make strong men weak, but the truth is that we serve a mighty God who loves to make weak men strong, and he wants to revive you in your faith, and we're going to see how he's going to do that for Samson today. And so if you're in Judges chapter 15, uh, look over to verse 18, uh, if you would. Samson has just defeated the Philistines uh, who had captured him, all right? He killed a thousand of them with a jawbone of a donkey, and now he throws down the jawbone. He walks down this hill, and here's what happens next. We pick it up in verse 18. The author records, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, you have given your servant this great victory, must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi and water came from it, and when Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called in Hakori, and it is still there in Lehi. I think this is so good. I, I love this passage here. It says, he cried out to the Lord, and he revived. He was revived. His strength returned. Where did Samson's strength come from? His strength came from the Lord. 
And Samson is turning back to the Lord here, and he was revived. Now watch this, verse 20. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Now before we go on, I want you to just stop and think about the implications here. 20 years, all right? 20 years is a long time. I mean, what, what, were, you been, what were you doing 20 years ago today? How, how has your life changed in the last 20 years? You know, when I, when I think about the last 20 years of my life, in the last 20 years, I've graduated from college and uh, earned a master's degree. I've gotten married and have three kids. We've lived in Indiana and Michigan and Kentucky and back again in Indiana. And so there's a, a lot that can happen in 20 years' time. I mean, even as I think about our church uh, as I think about this great church, our church, Genesis Church, is 13 years old, and in the last 13 years, we've had some different pastors. Uh, we've had several temporary locations as a very young church. Uh, then one permanent location here in Noblesville, we've baptized hundreds of people. Uh, we've launched a second campus in Carmel. In, in addition to that, we've helped plant churches in West Plains, Missouri, and in Newport, Kentucky, and now in Bloomington, Indiana. Add to that, we've got some amazing partnerships that we've developed here locally and around the world. I mean, just imagine, all right? Imagine what God is going to do in the next 20 years uh, of this church and, and through uh, our lives. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. If we're not careful, we can blow right past that verse, all right? And it's almost like it's just a little footnote there. It's just a little fact that we're left with because on the surface, maybe while it doesn't appear to say much, if you think about it, there's the potential that this is really good news for Samson, all right? And maybe good news, good news that we haven't had, all right, these last couple of weeks or in a really long time, because leading Israel for 20 years without any mention of incidents, all right, no killing, all right, no drunkenness, no violating his vow. Now, we can't know for sure, but it seems to demonstrate a long period of faithfulness in Samson's life where we would say he was walking by the Spirit. And these two verses before it just say so much about what Samson's legacy could have been. He cried out to the Lord, and he was revived, all right? He cried out to God, and God restored his strength, both physically and in his faith. And so he apparently, it appears that he apparently leads this faithful life for 20 years. And why? Well, here's what we want to see today. If you're taking notes, write this down. The measure of a man is found in his purpose. It's understanding his purpose, realizing what he was made for and who he's living for. Samson seemingly found his purpose and apparently now is becoming this leader that God set him apart to be. And we've said throughout this series again uh, uh, that with every story of the Bible that you can, you can ask yourself, is this a, a lesson to be learned or an example uh, to be followed? Well, Samson here has a chance now to be an example to, to follow. But what we're going to see by the time we finish here today is that a man that, again, started off with this incredible potential this potential to serve God and to, to be used by God to restore his kingdom and to free his people, we're gonna see him imprisoned by his enemies with his eyes gouged out, the laughing stock of all the people. And how? I mean, how does a man who is called by God and set apart for ministry and given an incredible set of gifts, how does he make such a mess out of his life? Well, he does it the same way that you and I can. It's just one step at a time. One day at a time, if we're not careful, if we're not keeping our eyes on the Lord, if we don't make the real, our relationship with Jesus the most important thing in our life, we can fall into the same mess and into the same places of Samson. And that's really a key thought for today if you're taking notes. Um, and I like the way that Craig Rochelle says this. Uh, you can write it down this way. He says, we don't ruin our lives all at once. It happens one step at a time. 
It usually is just one step at a time. And for Samson, it was that, that way. And let, let's watch this unfold. Judges uh, chapter 16 again, verse 1. All right. Keep in mind, 20 years have passed, as we've just read. And now we read, one day, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. Now, notice that it starts one day. And so I want you to consider the contrast here. The last verse of chapter 15 says Samson was leading Israel for 20 years. And then the first verse of chapter 16 says, now one day. Just see the contrast. 20 years, one day. This one day is going to set Samson on a path that will eventually result in his death. And when you think about it, isn't it crazy how one day how one moment, how one event can change the course of your life forever. One day. One day can change everything. I mean, one day, you know, you can be great with God. You could say, you know what, I'm walking with the Lord. One day you can say, my relationship with God is the most important thing in my life. But then one day you're bored or one day you get angry or one day in a really bad decision and one day without the presence of God in our lives can completely throw us off course and heading in the wrong direction. I think that's why scripture say, says better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Because if we spend every day seeking God, if we spend every day making the presence of God the priority in our lives, we're not gonna get off track like Samson does here. Again, verse one, it says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he went in to spend the night with her. Uh, the people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay, way in, lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying, at dawn, we'll kill him. Now, I want to show you why this is a, a big deal for Samson. And we've got a map here to kind of illustrate this. Uh, Gaza is on the Mediterranean there towards the bottom of the screen over towards uh, the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, it's in the south. It's in Philistine territory, all right? This is enemy territory. Now, again, as we remember that the Philistine were the enemy. Uh, Zora, right there in the center, is what we believe to be Samson's hometown, all right? And so it's up here, halfway between the shore uh, and the Dead Sea. This is a distance from Zora to Gaza of about 40 miles, all right? And so how do you think Samson got down to Gaza? Well, I promise you he didn't get there with an Uber, all right? All right? He, he, he most likely, he walked the distance. Now, how many of you have Fitbits, today or something similar, all right? Maybe you've got one on you right now. I, I don't have one of these, but I did a little bit of, a, of research. I, I was checking and I found that walking 40 miles uh, is approximately 85,260 steps for me. All right, so for Samson to take this journey, if we had a similar stride, 85,260 steps. So that's 85,260 times of picking up your foot and then putting it down on the ground in front of you, all right? That's 85,260 times of moving in one direction, all right? That's 85,260 times of stopping, thinking about what you're doing and realizing that you could turn around and go the other way. The word repentance really means to change your course, to change direction. This is 85,260 times where Samson is deliberately walking away from what God has intended for him and what obedience looks like and into the hands of his enemies. How did Samson ruin his life? He didn't do it all at once. When you think about it, it was just one step at a time. One step at a time that he took. And when you think about it, it works the same way for us. I mean, that's how it often works for us. You know, one step at a time and before you know it, 
you've made a mess with your life. And so I want to look at three ways this morning of how we can uh, avoid following uh, in Samson's footsteps uh, if you're following along with us. Samson, again, he's with this prostitute. His enemy really was outside crouching down, waiting for him to leave in the morning. Let's pick it up in verse 3. It says, but Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and he took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. I'm sure all of our CrossFit people here today are pretty impressed uh, by a move like this. But notice that it says the middle of the night. Now, the city gates would have been locked uh, at a time like that. And at this point in history, uh, a city like this one would have had these walled gates. All right, to protect the city. Again, they would be locked at night uh, and they would be closed so that it would keep the enemy or keep someone else from sneaking in. And so Samson, he could have woke up. He could have unlocked the gates and simply snuck out with no one noticing, but the strongest man in the world here has other plans. And so instead of sneaking out, he rips off the gates, posts and all, and he lifts them above his head. And in ripping off these gates and carrying them away to Hebron, what's he doing? Well, I think he's uh, removing a symbol of security, really, for the Philistines people, for the Philistine people. And so you can see the pride just oozing out from him. But in doing so, he's taunting them. All right, he's taunting the enemy. And why would he do something like this? I mean, why would a man who was already targeted by this enemy destroy their property and throw it in their face? I think he underestimated who he was dealing with here. And uh, that's something I think that you and I can learn from as well as we think about our lives, that when it comes to avoiding Samson's mistakes, the first lesson for us is this, don't underestimate your enemy. Don't underestimate the, the power of the enemy. And I, I gotta tell you, men, we, we do this all the time. Uh, we fall into this trap all the time. I mean, if it's something like sexual temptation, you know, maybe we think to ourselves, well, it's not gonna hurt anything. She can spend the night. Certainly, we're, we're, we're careful or... You know, I'm strong enough, I, I can handle it. Or maybe, maybe when you're away on business and you reason that, you know what, one night out with the guys isn't gonna hurt me or one look here and, oh, before you know it, you're taunting the enemy really. Or, you know, maybe if it has to do with your strength, I mean, maybe it's this constant battle of, of kind of convincing yourself that one drink won't hurt or that one smoke won't hurt or I, I can take this pill and it'll help me get through the day. And, and maybe your reason is to say, you know what, I know I've had a problem in the past, but I've come a long way. I've, I've learned my lesson. And so we, we taunt the enemy. We underestimate the capabilities of the enemy or maybe it's a financial challenge for you. And so you reason all the time, you know, I'll just use my credit card for this. It's really important. We're already in debt anyways. What's a few hundred dollars more, right? And so we think we're good. You know, we think we're on solid ground, but here's what the scripture says about that. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. I was out running one time. I was running along kind of a busy street, and uh, the light at the intersection changed, and I went running across, and little did I realize it, but there was this metal ring, really, that was in the ground, and it was right off the curb, and I didn't even see it, and I stepped into it, and I somehow managed to get both feet in it, and so I went tumbling down. I had enough bearings in that moment to actually kind of roll with it and then spring back up onto my feet. I mean, the degree of difficulty was great, and I didn't pull it off with perfection, but it wasn't bad. And there were other people around. And so as I rolled through this fall and sprung to my feet, I kind of gave a 
ta-da, you know, to all the cars around me. And nobody acknowledged it. I didn't get a laugh. I didn't get a grin or a honk or a clap or anything like that at all whatsoever. And I had a sore knee and a sore shoulder for a little while. But, but the reality is that if we're not careful, all right, all right, when it comes to everyday living, if we're not careful, if, we're not, if you're not being led by the presence of God in your life, we may think we're on solid ground when we're not. So don't underestimate the strength, the power, the cleverness, really, uh, of your enemy, of our enemy. Uh, Verse 4, Judges 16, 4, it says, Sometime later he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now, there are two things we know about Delilah. Number one is that she likes to cut hair, all right? And the second thing is that she plays love songs on one of those radio stations where it's a different Delilah, right? So... And if you don't know who I'm talking about, turn to the person next to you. Hey, who's he talking about here as we kind of date ourselves a little bit? But I want you to see the pattern, all right, that's happening here in Samson's life when it comes to women. All right, the first time he went looking for a wife, he went down to Timnah and found a Philistine woman there, a woman who was an enemy. The Philistine people were an enemy to the Israelites. The second time, the next time we see him with a woman, again, it's a Philistine woman, a prostitute down in Gaza. All right, we talked about that just a moment ago. And now the third time to find a wife, he goes to the Valley of Sorek. Again, the problem with Sorek was this is a Philistine territory. In fact, the word Sorek actually means empty or fruitless. And so Samson is looking for love in all the wrong places, all right? All right, but, he, but, but Samson doesn't get it. And so even through each of these incidents, they're they're turning out poorly for Samson, but he can justify doing the wrong thing, trying again. This is the third time he's messing around with a Philistine woman. So here's step number two for us when it comes to avoiding uh, the same mistakes of Samson, and that is be careful you don't rationalize your sin, all right, because it'll get you. Uh, Be careful that you don't rationalize your sin. And men, we are masters at this. All right, we, we can get this down, you know, where we rationalize the same sin, the same actions over and over again. We'll say something like, hey, I know this is my one thing, all right? I'm a really good person, and so this is my only vice. Or at least it's not hurting anybody. Or if no one knows and if I can keep it private, it's not a big deal. Or I mean, if she didn't treat me the way that she treats me, then I wouldn't have to do these things that I'm doing, or we'll put ourselves back in situations or environments where we know we're vulnerable, we know we're susceptible to attack or from caving. We're so good at rationalizing the same old sin. Well, watch what happens for Samson, verse 5. Since the rulers of the Philistines went to her, went to Delilah and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Now, remember, they're still kind of steaming mad about the fields being burnt, the 1,000 men being struck down, and the gates at Gaza. So they're trying to get back at him. And to do that, they use a woman, again, this woman, Delilah. But Samson, to his credit, at least appears to be a little too smart for that. And so he tells her the secret uh, to tying him up as fresh bowstrings, all right? And, And if you do just that, well, then you'll be able to keep me down. And so she does that. And then the Philistines break in, as you read here, and he breaks out. All right, he's too strong to be tied down. And so she asks again. All right, and this time Samson says the trick is to use new ropes. Uh, And so the Philistines come, and once again Samson breaks free, and then he tells her, uh, if you braid my hair 
her with fabric and tie it up with a pin, which is a little awkward. Uh, but so she does that, all right, and the Philistines come, and once again, Samson breaks free. And so he just keeps telling her this stuff. She keeps tying him up. And, and so what is it with this guy? I mean, he just doesn't get it. He's teasing the enemy, and so far he's stayed safe. But watch this, verse 15. It says, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Now, ladies, over the past few weeks, we've really been hammering on the men uh, when it comes to these issues that we're discussing here. But now it's your turn for just a moment. Here's Samson this man that is strong enough to kill a thousand men by himself. He's strong enough to tear off the gates of this particular city and walk with them, but he's not strong enough to stand up to the nagging of his wife, all right? And uh, I'm just saying, you know, that even the nagging of his wife here is going to bring uh, him down, and that is the case because in verse 17, it says, so he told her everything. He said, no razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. Now, I think this is a pretty insightful verse in these four chapters that cover the life of Samson, because in the three times prior, when Samson had made up a reason for his strength, he basically told Delilah how to overcome it. But this time, he doesn't just tell her that, you know, that she needs to shave his hair. He goes all the way back to the beginning of his story. I don't know if you caught it or not, but he says, I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. And I just think that in that one statement, you can almost feel that Samson is remembering his purpose, remembering why he was made, remembering that he was meant to live for so much more than he's living for right now. And at this moment, when he discovers his purpose, when he realizes it again, man, wouldn't it have been a spectacular time for him to turn back to God? But instead, he falls asleep. He falls asleep with a woman that has already tried to kill him three times before, and now she knows the real secret. Check out verse 19. It says, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. And then maybe the saddest verse of this whole account, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Look at his words. I'll go out as before and I'll be freed. He assumes that, you know what, I'll, I'll get away with it again. And why wouldn't he? Step number three that we can see from this passage is this, that don't assume that your sin won't cost you. Don't assume that your actions won't cost you in some way. And guys, we may assume, we like to assume that, you know what, I'll never get caught. And whether it's that you're spending a lot of time looking at things, engaging in things that you shouldn't be, maybe stepping out on your wife or stepping out on your girlfriend unfaithfully. Or maybe, you know what, maybe you're funneling a little off the top right now, cheating on your taxes uh, using a substance no one knows about, chances are you keep doing it because you realize, you know what, I haven't been caught yet, and so maybe you assume, you know what, I'll never get caught. But watch this, verse 21, it says, Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. How did he end up here? 
How did he end up in this place? Well, it was just, it was one step really at a time. It was one careless decision at a time. But, but as we see, there were a few moments. I mean, there were defining moments in this story, moments when Samson remembered his purpose and could have turned back to God. But because he was so weak in character, because he was emotion-driven rather than being driven or led by the Spirit, because he assumed he'd never have to pay for his disobedience, Samson ended up not as an example to follow, again, but a lesson to be learned. And here's the truth. Here's the facts for you and me. You know, one day you and I will be accountable for what we did with our lives. One day, every single one of us will be accountable for that, our purpose. One day we'll stand before the almighty God and we'll be asked to give an account for what we did with our lives. And basically, you know, you could maybe sum it up and say, we'll answer two questions on that day. That first of all, God will want to know, what did you do with Jesus? Where did Jesus fit in when it comes to the priorities of your life? Where does Jesus fit in when it comes to your purpose. And there's no doubt, and I believe that Scripture is very clear, that what our eternity looks like has everything to do with how we answer that question. What do we do with Jesus? You know, the author of Romans, Paul, says that, you know, all of us fall short of God's standard when it comes to sin, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's such good news. That's so important for us to know and realize that Jesus can make all the difference. He can make all of the difference for you and me. There, there is no other way to, to forgiveness. There's no other way to your security, your eternity in heaven, except through the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul also writes in Romans 10, 9, he says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so maybe that's the first thing that God will want to know from each of us, and that is what did you do with Jesus but the second question is then, what did you do with what I gave you? In other words, you were created with a purpose. Psalm says that God knew you before you were born, and he, he has called you and me to something great. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 reminds us that we should, as he says, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And so my question for you today is this one. Where are you stepping away from God right now in your life? Where are you compromising? Where, where are you taking chances? Where are you taking small steps or maybe great big steps in your life right now? And where are you living according to his purpose? All of us need to examine our lives, see where we are, ask others to speak into our lives so that we can walk away from those places where sin gets a hold of us and threatens to drag us down and ruin our lives so that we can move toward the calling that God has for us instead. Now, I know there are people in this room right now, I know there are people listening online today, and well, maybe the truth is that your life is an absolute wreck right now. And you wonder, you even wonder, you know what, could God, could he even begin to put the pieces back together for me again? You wonder if, you, if he could still use you in spite of your sin, he, if he could still use you in spite of your disobedience, because maybe you've taken so many steps away from him right now. I mean, your one day was a disaster it's already happened, and you don't see any way that he could ever make you whole again. I want you to know today that that one mistake can change your life forever. But friends, men, all of us today, it doesn't have to define your life. I mean, your one mistake, your one day doesn't have to change, uh, doesn't have to define your life forever because the God who created you, 
He can do something great in you again. He is powerful enough to redeem you and restore you and forgive you and get you back on track. And you can turn to him today. And you can turn to him right now. You can always come back to God. We can always come back to God. And we're going to talk about this more next week. And I want to give you a verse to be thinking about until then. Because if you've messed up royally and you think, you know what, this can't be fixed. I want you to see this. And it's where we'll focus as we wrap up this series, close this series next week. In Judges 16, 22, even in his pain and even in his ruin, look what it says in verse 22. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. See, this hair, the symbol of his strength that begins to grow back, and here's what we're gonna see. Just because you're down doesn't mean you're out. We might have an enemy who loves to make strong men weak, but we serve a mighty God who loves to make weak men strong. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we need your hope. Uh, we need your truth all around this room right now. And just just that promise and that reminder that we can always come back to you, Father, through Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ. And we celebrate that. We're so thankful for that today. And I just want to offer that to any person here right now who maybe feels like their one day has just ruined their life or ruined the lives of, uh, of someone else, that there is no way they could come back, that there is no way that God could, uh, that you could forgive them, Lord. I, I pray, I pray for that person, for those persons here today who might find them in that place today. And I want you to know this, you can always come back to God, that he loves you with an everlasting love and his forgiveness is good and it's right. And if you just cry out to Jesus today and just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness in my life. I promise he will begin a work in you and continue that work and he'll bring great fruit from it in your life today. No matter who you are, no matter where you are right now, just say, I need you, Jesus. I need your forgiveness in my life. And for others of you today, I realize there are some here that you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that's the next best decision. That is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life, to reach out to the Lord, to turn to the Lord, and to be revived as Samson was revived. And to have hope and forgiveness and eternal life with the Lord, a life that begins now and continues for the rest of eternity. And if that's you today, and if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, just wherever you are right now, wherever you're seated, just to be able to pray that, Lord Jesus, I, I, I want you in my life. I want you as my Savior. I'm trusting you today, Lord. Father, we thank you that we can always come back to you. We thank you for your love and for your forgiveness and for the promises and your word. And we just pray for life change all throughout this room right now as people are turning to you, turning back to you once again. We celebrate that today, Lord. We are so grateful for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.